I recently found out that an old friend of mine actually tried to commit suicide because she had postpartum depression, but it was Allah's mercy that saved her. Stay tuned to listen to her amazing story. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Mentally Fit Muslims podcast. I'm your host, Sabah Malik. Today, I'm talking to a friend of mine, Afifa, about postpartum depression and how ultimately Allah is the one who's in charge and who can really help us. Remember to visit my podcast website, mentallyfitmuslims.org, and you can sign up for my email list there. So anytime I post a new episode, you get an update. All right, let's get started. Assalamualaikum, Afifa. Waalaikum salam. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Alhamdulillah. Uh, it's my first, I think, uh, a friend, a person that I know from my past from a long time ago that I'm having on. So it's yeah. uh, it's new and it feels a little bit different also. <laughs> so <laughs> let's, let, let's see what happens. Yes. Uh, so I was, uh, I, I did a fundraiser, I think like a month ago. And during that, I found out that you had uh, postpartum depression. Yes. So what can you tell us? Where do you want to start? I, you know, let's just jump in. Yeah, let's just jump in. Sure. Uh, so th- this happened with me at my, uh, with my second uh, uh, girl. So um, the first time, alhamdulillah, everything was going well. My pregnancy was really great. Uh, you know, the birth itself was really good. Alhamdulillah, everything, everything was perfect. That's perfect as it can be. With my second one, um, I had issues like, during even during my pregnancy. I was put on bed rest uh, for like the, the last trimester. Um, so I already like, you know, things weren't like the best. Um, so and then, uh, you know, the time <laughs> to the, like when during uh, basically delivery pro- process, it, it went really uh, haywire from there because um things weren't progressing properly. Um, they had to give me apitocin, uh, my water, uh, like there was almost no water left, but my, you know, the contractions weren't coming and like everything was not really progressing well. Um, and during that time, I think when, uh, you know, when it's time to give birth and I was ready to push, um, I think it was so bad. The pain got so bad. Like I was supposed to get epidural, but I didn't because of how everything was going. Um, I think uh, the anesthesiologist got stuck at emergency room. He couldn't come. So it was just, it was, you know, like it was bad. So then uh, like obviously got unbearable at that point because also because I think it got worse because they had to give me epitocin. So because of that, um, because it's not even natural anymore, right? And then you don't have epidural. I'm sure like there are other people who have gone through uh, without epidural and that's not to take away from their experience or say that one is right or one is wrong or one you are stronger or not stronger. But for me, it was like really crazy and the pain was unbearable. And um, and what happened during that process is that I, I, actually my nurse was really amazing, mashallah. Like <laughs> I, I have such respect for nurses because of uh, everything happened. I think she was the one who held me together. I was going to pass out. Like she held me together, made sure I wasn't going to pass out. She, she actually made it better for me. But during the process, at some point, just I think right before I gave birth, I felt a disconnect happen. And 
I gave birth and I was just numb after that. Like, I don't think I had any feelings left at me at that point. I felt like I was like, um, it was like almost like it's not me anymore. Like it's happening to somebody else. Like, like I'm, I'm not like, I think because at some point, obviously my body felt that I was not in control anymore. And so something happened during that time. And when I gave birth, I was numb. I had no emotions in me. I felt like this is happening to somebody else, not to me anymore. Um, they put my, uh, you know, um, uh, my kid on me and I, I didn't even look at, at her. And until like, she's, mashallah, a very strong child. So she pulled my hair and that's when I kind of like, you know, like I snapped out and saw her. Uh, mashallah and but even then like I felt like she was there yes everything is happening nurses are doing their thing everybody's doing their thing but I felt like it wasn't happening to me anymore like it was just like I completely was disconnected emotionless everything just like and then I remember so I gave birth I think maybe around uh, in the evening around 6 p.m uh, and then I remember um I think I was, I, if I, if I remember like not feeling anything, anything for the whole night, everything happened. My older daughter was with my sister, uh, my older sister. And then my, and my mom was with me at that point. And like, I, I remember not feeling any emotions whatsoever. And then the next day, I think during the afternoon and I'm close to my older sister. So during like around 2 PM, I think um, she called me. And that's when I actually broke down. I broke down. I just started crying. I couldn't talk. I couldn't say anything. I was, I was, just, I was just crying. And, uh, and that was it. That was like my burst of emotion that happened. And then what happened was um, I came. Um, I, I wanted to come back home early. I asked for early release. I, just, I think I just wanted everything to become normal. So... In doing that, so I asked for early release. I know I had my older daughter. She was uh, almost two years and nine months when I gave birth to my second daughter. And um, I came home and I pretended as nothing happened. Like, like, I'm fine. You know, I came home. I start like cleaning up. Like I came home at like, I think almost like, I remember once once we got discharged and everything, we came home around 10 p.m. Uh, at night, and and I was like, just like I wanted to do things, you know. I was like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna clean up some has the house somewhat, I'm gonna take a shower, I'm gonna feel better, and I just wanted to make things normal as fast as possible. And I think in doing so, I I didn't ask for help from anybody, even though my parents lived close to me. I had my sister close to me. I I just I wanted to do everything by myself. I didn't ask for help. Um, and then I and then do I think because of that, things were taking toll on me. But and also I didn't understand what was happening either, right? Like I don't think we have enough resources or we're taught what to expect when things like that happen. So you try to make sense of it, but you don't really, you cannot really make sense of anything. It's like, why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? And and I want to make everything normal and I'm doing, I'm doing everything that's required, but there's something not right while I'm doing it, you know? And I remember, so I gave birth in August. September, October, November. In November, that was when I hit my lowest point where I did not want to live anymore. I I wanted to just like end everything. Um, 
I remember that on the, it was a Friday. I remember that we go uh, every Friday, we go to my mom's place and we get together as a family. And that day I did not want to go. I did not want to see anybody. I was, I remember sitting on the couch and I called my sister and I told her I'm not coming. I don't feel good. I'm not coming. And they just thought I'm just tired. You know, I have a baby, kids. My sister took my older daughter with her from what I remember. And I just, I was left home with my younger one. And I just didn't, I just, it, it just got to the point where I couldn't handle it. And then I, and then that Friday, I think 2 a.m. in the morning is when I was like, that's it. I, can't, I cannot live. And uh, yeah, and then, yes, I did try to commit suicide. Um, and uh, so, but subhanAllah, you know, in, in, even in that, there is so much mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I remember um, I took like a whole bunch of, you know, pills. Uh, I remember while I was doing that, uh, there was one pill that got like stuck at the bottom. And no matter what I would do, it would never, it wouldn't come out. And I got so upset that I just left it. I'm like, forget it. It's not going to come out. But subhanAllah, I always keep going back to that because I really think that's what saved my life. Because obviously I ended up at the hospital. They had, I was throwing up blood the next morning and all of that. Um, but I still go back to that and think like how that pill got stuck and I and I remember that's the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know uh, and even when I was at the hospital like I again it, it was the same feeling where I felt disconnected like even my, when my family uh, my sister came to visit me and she was talking to me and I I was just blank like I have had no emotions like as if as if again like it's something it's not happening to me it's somebody else it's a weird feeling, but I remember that I was just kind of like a wall almost, you know? And uh, so, I mean, obviously at that time, like there was a psychiatrist that came and asked me, like, did I have, or do, do we have a history of postpartum depression in my family and stuff? I mean, obviously nobody talks about it. Like even if my, let's say my mom had gone through it, I would not know. Right. So I'm like, obviously in a phase where I'm in denial and I don't want to accept anything. Right. I just want to get out of the hospital. I want to go back to my life. I don't, I don't want these people trying to, you know, figure out what's wrong with me. I just want to be normal again. Right. So, so I told, uh, so I told them, no, I, I don't think I have any postpartum depression history, whatever. Uh, and then um, after, you know, a few days at the hospital, they did release me, uh, which was actually surprising. I still think back and I'm like, you know, they didn't do their due diligence. I really felt it like they just released me and I was home. But once I do, once I did come back, I think it, this experience made me realize that I need to do something about it. Like, it's not, obviously, this is not going to happen. I'm going to lose my family. I'm going to lose my kids. I, I need to do something about it. And for the, because of that, Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put that in me. And because of that, I start researching. And I researching about postpartum depression because I know, you know, the, the, the psychiatrist did ask me, if I had a history of postpartum depression in my family. And uh, so, so I start researching and I remember finding um, almost a questionnaire. I, I don't remember what hospital it was from, but one of, I, I found it where it goes through, you have to like answer some questions to kind of see uh, what, uh, 
level you are at, like in, in terms of if do you want to see if you're going to postpartum or not. And I did that. And I realized like I was like at the highest like level, like it was crazy. Uh, and then I'm like, okay, so I need to do something about it. Obviously, I cannot heal myself. Um, and I remember actually one of the things, so, so I started looking for a psychologist and I wanted to get help. And also during that time, actually, my dad gave me a book. It's called The Instinct to Heal. Um, it's by a psychiatrist and it's a really, really, really good book. And I, I suggest like anybody going through stress or depression, anxiety to really um, read that book. It's, it's re really great. It's called The Instinct to Heal Curing, I think, Stress, Anxiety, and Repression Without Drugs and Without Talk Therapy. Um, it's by, his name is David Servan, I think it's Schreiber, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. <laughs> he, he, um, he is... Um, he is from. Uh, he is also, I think, co-founder of the um, uh, complementary medicine at the University of Pittsburgh uh, Medical Center, and he is a psychiatrist. And he, but during his years, he start uh, learning about different techniques and different things that you can uh, that you can give your patients uh, for uh, so that they can use those those tools and um, you know. Uh, that will help towards healing and and he talks about like this emotional brain uh, that is within our brain and that book actually helped me understood what happened to me because he talks about how uh, you know when you go through a trauma what happens is that your emotional brain takes over then your um what what's the other called uh, uh the other, like your brain, what that has a capability of uh, reasoning and language and that side, right? So he talks about how that brain shuts down completely and your emotional brain takes over. If they are, like he talks about how, like the, if they're working together, both the emotional brain and the, the other brain, then that's where your harmony is and that's where you feel good and everything is working fine. But when if one or the other takes over, that's where the imbalance happens. And so when, when the trauma occurs, what happens is that your, your emotional brain takes over and you are in a flight and fight mode and, and it wants to protect your body, right? So, so what happens is that it takes over. So your reasoning completely shuts off and all that's left is survival instinct like what are you going to do to survive and 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 the body's and he's trying to protect your body basically so because of that disconnect um and a lot of like people go through that uh, whether it's a trauma or and not that's not just one thing and the emotional brain actually he talks about how it also uh any imbalance also affects that your emotional brain like he talks about how uh, sometimes even like um for example in, in after after giving birth a lot of women lose omega-3 and omega-3 is what keeps that side of brain healthy your emotional brain healthy and because of, because you lose a lot of omega-3 and you don't have enough in your body those postpartum depression or the blues postpartum blues happen because of that as well and he talks about a lot of different things and he talks about all sorts of things uh, in the book and it's amazing it's an amazing book i would recommend everyone uh, to read it
Yeah, anyway, I think so, I'll look at it. I think it'll shed yeah, a lot please. of light on my situation. Yes, yes, yeah. he does talk about that too. So and and so it's a really amazing book. So definitely do uh, look into it. Uh, so that so that was one thing. So I start reading that uh, while I start looking for a psychologist to help me get through and overcome. Because, okay, so something obviously. Uh, there is a, it's not only that I need help in, in a sense where I want to heal myself, but also the guilt part that comes with it then after, right? How do you deal with that guilt? So, and alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa guided me to a great psychologist. She, um, she really helped me. Actually, I found it through Facebook. Somebody else was asking for a psychologist and someone recommended her and that's how I found her. So I called her up and alhamdulillah, I got connected. And, and so she really helped me process all my emotions and everything. I remember going first day at her office and all I did was cry <laughs> because, you know, like, subhanAllah. That like sounds familiar. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're so overwhelmed and you don't know and that thing is making sense to you, right? And subhanAllah, so, so, and she really did help me and she also helped me get over my guilt as well, right? Like, not only that she, like, because, I mean, it's, it's hard. Of course, you don't want to do that to your kids or to your family, uh, and also you didn't do it like I mean when you do take that step I feel like you feel like there's nothing else that you can do right and I but you also know that is what you did was not really right either so the guilt that comes with it is is very hard to deal and alhamdulillah I'm, I'm, I'm so blessed that I did find, find a psychologist who was able to help me get through that guilt as well like and and remove that aspect of, of completely that that thing and alhamdulillah I don't feel I just take it as a fact now that this happened but I don't associate any guilt with it anymore alhamdulillah like that's you know so you don't like personalize it that it was your fault exactly exactly that's it alhamdulillah she helped me realize that because she also like she made me think that imagine like it's not you but somebody else who did that like the the circumstances and during that circumstances what would you what would that person do like would you really like blame it on them you know um and and she kind of like give a different perspective so yes exactly so alhamdulillah so i i know things happened and that's why i don't like i don't feel uh, like i said like i don't feel guilty about it anymore alhamdulillah i realized it and i and alhamdulillah allah guided me to the right steps as well after right so i see that and i uh, i see that uh, a huge blessing in uh, in it that how everything happened and alhamdulillah i was able to come out on the other side and healthier than before actually in some ways because oh, really? i think <laughs> also <laughs> can you because elaborate because i'd love to learn from that <laughs> yeah. no because i think like a lot of times we go through our life experiences and we don't realize that uh we need help you know, in some, in smaller ways, even it doesn't have to be something huge, right? But going through life experiences, even like some childhood experiences, even like growing up, um, I think you go through life and you you think you have overcome stuff and you're good and everything is is great. But then you start realizing little things in your life. Like I remember feeling, like I remember uh, having a lot of extreme reactions in ways where if I let's say uh, made someone upset. Like I would feel so guilty and almost to the point where I would be like, 
that's it. Like this, this, you know, this relationship is never going to be bended. Like, like it was really extreme. You know, my guilt has always, was always extreme. And Alhamdulillah, I find like going to the therapy, not only working through this aspect, it helped me get over that as well. Like now I, if I, let's say make a mistake or I, somebody gets upset or something, I don't go to that level or to that dark place that I used to go where that's it. Like, you know, like as if nothing can be done or nothing can be fixed and it's over, you know? So Alhamdulillah, in that sense, I found that it helped me uh, in that as well. So I now I don't even go to like if if somebody is upset or something I did was not correct or wrong, I don't go to that extremes anymore. So, so what, yeah, what did you do like exactly that your psychologist helped you with? Like were there actual tools or was it slowly like a change in thinking that led yeah. you? to not have that guilt anymore yeah so so I think a change of thinking definitely and looking at things differently and uh, putting them in perspective you know uh, that that's where I think the most of my healing came from uh, and a lot of healing also came from like just reading uh, that book uh, that I spoke about before and understanding because a lot of times I think just understanding what you're going through also helps you heal and then put things in perspective. Um, so those two things help me uh, overcome uh, my postpartum depression and become a healthier person in general. Um, yeah, so that's basically my experience. But go ahead if you have any questions. <laughs> yeah, thanks for sharing that. That, that was a lot. And uh, I didn't want to interrupt because it's the first time I'm kind of hearing this, even though we've known each other yeah. right from college. Yes. Um, so for someone who's listening and they think they might have postpartum or some form of depression, how would you say they can recognize it in themselves? Because like you were saying in the beginning, you don't sense like you don't see it. Right. And for you, what would um, uh, what do you think triggered it? Like from what I hear, I think the childbirth was kind of the traumatic part that triggered it. Is that true? Yeah. And how can people kind of recognize it for themselves? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yes, that's what triggered it. Definitely the child uh, birth experience is what triggered it. That's where it all started. Um, in terms of recognizing it, I think some of it, what you have to do is see if your your patterns are changing in subtle ways. Like for example, you're, you're going in your own corner a lot more. Like I have always been an introvert. I'm not a very extrovert person. So I have like few friends and I like to be with them. And like, but even like, like the, like, for example, uh, not going to my family or not feeling like doing much, you know, just trying to like keep up with, you know, what I need to do, my responsibilities are, but I don't want to see anybody, for example, right? Like when you start to retreat in your own little corner, or when you try to not like try to think that you can do everything and not asking for help, I would think even that is something that you should like kind of think in your mind. It's like, what is it that's stopping me from asking help, you know? So those little things, I think, is what I would say were, were um, you know, pointers that were, that I was seeing, but not really at the, at those moments, I wasn't recognizing them. And I think it's a lot, a lot of it also, like, family uh, or your friends if they are aware but I know we live in such a you know busy life that people don't have really they don't have time to connect or see if something is going wrong even my family couldn't like 
you know, uh, they thought I was just tired or maybe because of, you know, I just had a little kid. So I'm just tired these days. So I don't want to see them. I don't, but, but, but I think later, like I remember my sister and I was saying that I, I had a, like a feeling that there was something else that was going on. Right. But, but just trying to be aware, um, like just little changes in your pattern or uh, yes, you are, let's say, for example, I'm always an introvert person, but I, I start now recognizing if I ever feel that um, like it's, it's more than what I am. Like it's not my usual, I'm not my usual self in that sense anymore. Like I check myself then, you know, um, even like I'm, I know like during now, after all that, I still find like winter very depressing. Like I think the, my mood does get affected by, you know, like not having enough sunlight or not having, and I do, check myself during those times as well and try to maybe do things that would help uh like for example exercising or going outside or just forcing yourself to do those things or trying to connect with people um yeah so that's that's what i would say yeah okay oh so and we... one thing sorry no, <laughs> one more one more thing that i completely forgot that during that time i did include a lot a lot of uh morning thicker in the morning and in the evening and that was obviously help and I still continue to do that alhamdulillah so definitely something that as Muslims uh, we we should like you know bring those to us part of, in, in in our lives especially because they're so strong and so uh, like subhanAllah in their meaning you know uh, so I remember my dad also gave me those like uh, there were five now I have added a few more there were five du'as that I used to always say in the morning and in the evening and I think those also helped me a lot definitely for sure do you mind sharing those quickly if you can yeah so um if you can recite them, that would be great. If not, if you can. Yeah, sure. I'll try. <laughs> yeah. So, Bismillah al-Ladhi la yudhurru ma'asmi shay'un fil ardi wa la fi s-sama wa huwa s-samiyu al-alim. A'udhu bi kalimati Allahi al-tamati min shahri ma khalaq. Razaytu billahi rabba wa bil-islami dina wa bi Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam nabiyyan wa rasoola la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika la lahu al-mulk wa lahu al-hamdu wa huwa ala kulli shay'in qadir Which one am I missing now? Razaytu billahi rabba Hasbi Allahu la ilaha illahu wa alayhi tawakkaltu wa huwa rabbul arshil azim So those are the five du'as and then the quls and and Aytul Kursi. So those I used to do, and I Alhamdulillah uh, in the morning and the evening, and I and I I still do that, and uh, added a couple more. But those are the ones that really like during that time I was reciting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I survived by duas because <laughs> even uh, when I was seeing my therapist, like they would talk about or different therapists, they would talk about mantras and positive affirmations, and I used to do that, and until like after a little bit they got kind of empty and i found that you know just in western medicine there's it's very devoid of spirituality and i have a theory which i'm I'm trying to like research on and work on which is that because it's so devoid of spirituality it's actually you know making a lot of mental illnesses worse because we have this devoid and of course there's biological stuff in that book, um, you were saying that the author talked about the emotional and the intellectual like balance between like, you know, the emotional brain and the thinking brain. Yeah. Yeah. How, how do you maintain that balance like in your daily life? What do you do personally? So I think um, in terms of just having a balance, um, creating a balance uh, 
some of the things that you do, of course, for us is, you know, your du'as and your salahs and your, your you know, your, the connecting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Um, I think a lot of shukr, I find, it helps because it gives you that contentment, you know, um, that like you're not like in like you're not in control like i think a lot of times we like to be in control and we think that we are in control and somehow we are the ones making decisions but even any decisions that we have made in our lives allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed those decisions for us right like it, we're not in control like for example like i i know like sometimes you think that you're the one who decided that these this is how many kids i want in life right <laughs> you may decide that right but but even then you can end up with like three extra kids that you didn't want right because ultimately you're not the one who is in control and ultimately it's allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so giving up and really surrendering and knowing that you like there is like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who's controlling everything for first of all and doing shukr and just relying on him like really relying on him is the first thing I would say that that helps definitely and then other things like for example exercising taking care of you know being healthy I find it's important I think he also talks about uh, the effect of the exercise on your emotional part of your brain you know it's these like uh, you know the chemicals that in that uh, because of the exercises that build up in your body and come and they help that emotional brain so definitely exercising uh just um and like i find something that i remember you in one of your talks mentioned and i think some in some level i think people who are prone to depression or anxiety can relate because i did relate to that uh, a point where you mentioned like what you're watching and what you're looking at because you do tend to internalize and i think some people who are maybe very sensitive or who have dealt with the stress and anxiety can and so i there are things that i don't watch i don't try, i try to avoid because i know emotionally i it it really weighs on me especially like if if somebody even though i know it's not real like if somebody is going in through a hard time or emotional time it really really affects me so i find not you know watching those things and just being mindful being mindful of of what affects you you know i think it's very important that you're mindful and then you take those those steps so knowing yourself and then just knowing okay these are my triggers and i want to avoid the, these triggers you know and how do i avoid these triggers so everybody i think everybody will have their own way of dealing with those things um i don't think every like everything that applies to me will apply to somebody else but those those are the things that helps help me and maybe it will help other people but just knowing i think just being mindful and knowing yourself and what what is it maybe if you see yourself like uh, like I think I sometimes, you know, when you are not feeling that great and not have energy, just pushing yourself to do like five minute workout even can help like alleviate your mood, I find like for me at least. Um, but then like there are days when you really don't want to, but then you know why you don't want to, right? Because you're in that phase. So you have yeah. to just, and I think sometimes just knowing, telling yourself, okay, let's me just do it for five minutes can extend to 10 minutes even because you're like oh I'm, i already did five minutes so let me do like the rest of it too right so i think maybe taking a small steps even during the time when you don't want to like i remember like um one of my friends who was going through a hard time and she was a hard time praying and i told her just pray at 
when uh, in whatever way you can like even if you don't want to get up that day then pray in your bed like don't miss it you know so just doing what you can like if you can just sit down and pray then sit down and pray you know but do that because i think those are the things that help us get better um and just yeah and don't and don't feel guilty i think a lot of times let's say if, if you know you have to pray so then you don't end up praying and then you feel guilty on top of it right so that's not healthy so what you have to do is like okay i know i don't feel well what if i just sit down and pray today and you did and let's say even if let's say you are you missed it you know and and so you just go back and you pray at the time you can pray you know and and just expect the best from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala know that his mercy is great like subhanallah in little things you see it right like even in my experience i see that and i keep reminding myself of that like that's such a strong thing like during like subhanallah i i see like allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so merciful and he gives you these signs you know even through your trial that if you are like if you look for them you can hold on to them and you can see that mercy and really really connect to that you know like subhanallah so yeah so those are some of the things um, that helped me yeah i again lost my thoughts <laughs> i keep listening to you and i'm trying to think what i wanted to say what i forgot because i just engrossed in what you're saying um when you're talking about like uh, we we're very sensitive and we have to be careful of what we watch or even people were around i know mashallah your family and your siblings are so intelligent i i remember when i was like living near you guys um do you still paint Uh, I have stopped a little yeah not as frequently but, but yes but yes. yeah you're a great painter and mm -hmm. uh, I remember being in a class with one of your sisters and I was like taking notes like mad writing down everything the <laughs> teacher was saying and all she was doing was like jotting down words not even like on each line but just like here and there and then after when we were in a study group she like recalled everything and I was like how you know so <laughs> well, and I see that in you too I've, I've uh, had other people mention how intelligent you are mashallah mm -hmm. so i think people who have that extra sensitive sensitivity and they're more prone to you know these mental health challenges they definitely are i think more creative and more intelligent than the normal crowd i, yeah. I would say that mashallah <laughs> um and when you're talking about uh the little miracles i yeah. love when you talked about in the when you took the pills and there was yeah. one that was stuck yeah <laughs> i've had moments like that too and um and you're right allah is in control and i think yeah. in the society it's all about i got this i have the power to change it's me i'm in charge i'm the you know it's my life i write my story and yeah. we forget that even if you believe that it doesn't yeah. make it true it's not going to yeah. be true yeah. and just i do these mini episodes in between the longer ones and the yeah. last one i just talked about a dua where um that's why i was asking you which duas because yeah. one of my favorite one is ya hayu ya qayyum bi rahmatika i have it in here astaghithu astaghithu aslih shani kullahu wala takilni ila nafsi yeah oh ever living one oh eternal one by your mercy i call on you to set right all my affairs do not place me in charge of my soul even for the blinking of an eye yeah. i think that part the blinking of an eye it just sets everything in perspective that i can do this therapy i can get these this help the medication but ultimately it is allah and sometimes yeah. some people find that kind of 
restricting that. Oh, there's, you know, I don't want that. I want to be in charge, but I find it liberating (laughs) because it's like, okay, there is someone higher than me. There's Allah who's taking care of me. So I don't have to have everything on my shoulders. And I think for mothers, that's a tough thing. Cause I know friends who, after they gave birth, they all wanted to do it themselves, you know? And like, I, I fell in into that too. And it felt like if I didn't take care of my own kid, everything, then I was a bad mom and that guilt would kick in. Mm-hmm. So I totally relate to what you're saying about that. And I, I had attempted um, suicide too uh, after I gave birth. It wasn't three months after, it was a little bit mm-hmm. later. Uh, I, I had kind of the last pill in the bottle experience. <laughs> it wasn't the same thing. Um, at that point, I think my knowledge of Islam went from being in the books and intellectual to being experiential. so I still have people say you know on this podcast why is it mentally fit Muslims why do you always have to stick that Islam in you want to just reach out to everyone and I said no if I don't have that Islam part if I don't talk about Allah or you know talk to Muslims and their spiritual experience I don't think I can talk about this topic because it was at that point that that switch came I realized that there's Islam that we learned in school and books but then at that time I felt the mercy of Allah, the Rahma. Yeah, and exactly. I know deep down, it, he was the only one who saved me. I don't care yeah. if there was ambulance around and then doctors yeah. and my family, I know in my heart. <laughs> and that's something uh, only a person who's gone through the same thing yeah. will understand, right? Yeah. 100%. So I stopped trying to convince other people. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. You're no, talking about extras. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. Go, 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 go ahead. So when you're talking about exercising and all that, like somebody who's depressed, you know, just doing that is very hard, you know, like you're talking about the prayer. So I I like that small steps, you know, even if you cannot get up to pray, which often is the case when you're depressed, you do not have that physical energy. Just doing what you can is good enough. It's good enough. Um, So what do you do for fun? What do I do for fun? (laughs) <laughs> well what do I do for fun that's a good question maybe um, I should have started off with that you <laughs> start off very heavy yeah. and then <laughs> yeah um for fun I um let me think oh I started knitting actually oh it's so good I love oh, really knitting. I, I, I started that too but I didn't have a lot of patience for it <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I did the infinity scarf. I'm very proud of myself. I did it for my older daughter. She's in, and she loves it. So that's great. And I did one scarf for my younger one and she modeled it too. So I think she loves it too. <laughs> so no, I, I picked up knitting actually. And I find, and, and the thing is that when I do it, it's not my, like, I don't think of the end goal. I'm like, okay, I'll finish when I finish. I just do like, let's say three rows, two rows. Like again, small steps. But it helps me relax, I find. Like, it takes away, like, worries. I find, like, it just helps me relax. So I, I love the, uh, like, this is my new hobby that I started uh, knitting. Um, and I haven't had a chance to start painting again. But painting is something that I've done should, for a long time. Really yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I did it some, like, a little project here and there with my girls, right? And, and they painted and it was fun but not like oh this is my canvas and I'm going to paint right so mm-hmm. I haven't done that in a while um other than that um 
yeah, I don't know. Like just spending time with the girls, I think, and just talking to them or sometimes watching stuff with them, uh, like shows, their shows, right? <laughs> like, but yeah. it's, it's, they, they like it. So it's yeah. like, okay. Uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, and um, yeah, alhamdulillah. So so those are my, my fun things you can say that I do. <laughs> or yeah, watching shows with them uh, or knitting, I guess. Yeah, you could say. I started um, doing stitching. Because oh, you know nice. those adult coloring books? Yes, yes, yes. So I was doing that and doing that. And I'm like, this is like, what am I going to do with the paper after? Like, <laughs> yeah. I felt like I, anything fun I wanted to do, I had to put some productivity into it. Like, I can't relax. I'm like, why can't you just do it for its sake? Like you're saying, the knitting, right? You're not thinking about the end product. Yeah. You just want to do it. And yeah. I think that's that's the key, like not to overwork yourself and think yeah. about okay what's the end goal is this gonna yeah. look good is this gonna have a purpose is this yeah. gonna lead to you know a productive result yeah I think you gotta put that aside and just do something for the sake of you know doing it and I think that's why yeah. hanging out with kids and your girls is fun yeah. because kids are so in the moment they're so engrossed in the moment yeah. that when you get down at their level, you you get sucked in. And it's it's yeah. really nice, actually. In the beginning, it you're is. like, no, leave me alone. I have work to do. I have work to do. But once you go to the level, you're like, yeah. oh, I know why you play so much. It's, it just brings <laughs> in the moment. Exactly. That's the thing. And I think as adults, we we forget to live in the moment right and we forget and we start thinking about like the next day or like the future. I think we have to be present in now and here. And I think that helps too. I think I remember, um, so thinking about this concept of living in the now and here, because uh, I remember getting a lot of anxiety and I'm still dealing with it. Actually, I started a new job and Alhamdulillah, everything is great and and people appreciate it and and it's not but I have this weird anxiety that happened um that is happening actually and I'm still like you know working with it but one of the things I realized is just being present in the moment and not think about tomorrow okay because I'm thinking about oh in that meeting what if somebody says something or what if they don't like this or what if you know and and that is where then your anxiety and your stress start going up like you just have to lo- look at it like now okay today i did what i wanted to do and i accomplished it and that's it this is where i'm going to live i'm not going to go in tomorrow right i'm not there i'm not going to think about it and again comes back to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being in control and you can only do that if you realize that you are not the one in control when you realize that Allah is the one who's in control and he is the one who's going to set your affairs straight. So why? So don't worry about it, you know, and just kind of like consciously think about it. I think it's it's an exercise again for your brain. You have to keep reminding yourself over and over again that live in the now, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Live in the now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that helps. Yeah. It does. Yeah, just thinking about now and relying on Allah and not getting sucked into the past or the future. Yeah. So I found a really helpful technique that I had learned a long time ago that I still use, which is um, to pull your senses in. So sometimes to be mindful and to be in the moment, um, just first use your eyes and pick out the different colors. Oh, the wall is beige, the sky is blue, the car is red. So First, you're like honing in on your visual senses and you're focusing on the colors. 
then you can switch to hearing and say, okay, what sounds do I hear? Okay, I hear the birds, I hear the fan, I hear all this thing. So it really helps you, you know, pull yourself in the present. Um, when you're talking about the postpartum, did anybody in the community find out or your friends or? Uh, <laughs> not in the community for sure. That's a loaded not one. A, because, <laughs> not that, in the community. Yeah. Actually, when everything happened, I, you know, like, subhanAllah, when everything happened, I really wanted to be open about it because I know I'm not the only one who went through it. I'm sure hundreds and hundreds of women go through it. I wanted to be really open about it. But then, you know, as the time goes by and you don't take action, I think you start becoming more like it become you you start like, OK, no, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't share. Maybe I shouldn't like if um, like. I think I've told like, let's say my sister that if somebody reaches out or you know of direct them to me, I don't mind, you know, I can like help them whatever I can. So Alhamdulillah, people have reached out and helped. But in general, it's not like a known thing that I've gone through postpartum depression. I know like a few of my friends, uh, close friends know, uh, but not like, and some of them don't know the extent of what happened or that I even, you know, tried to commit suicide and stuff. Like not everybody knows, I think just maybe couple of friends know that that happened and not even during that time when I was going through it it was like way later like maybe like last year or something you know like I just uh, so so anything else you want to share no I think I opened up completely <laughs> I told you almost everything <laughs> yeah. yeah it was yeah. nice because I know you are an introvert I know yeah. that so I liked what you said when you were talking about how to sense it in yourself that if normally, even if you are an introvert, yeah. but you know that you like to hang out with your family, yeah. so you notice that, oh, I'm not hanging out with my family. So that's a sign for me. Yeah, so it's exactly. really, yeah, learning about yourself so that you're mindful if there's little changes like that. Yeah, um, exactly. That's it. And and that's the thing. And I find like, uh, like just changes in your normal behavior sometimes like um like knowing that oh you're overdoing why are you overdoing it you know those things sometimes can be like okay let's sit down think about it what is making you do this and this and this and this right it's like 10 different things I want to do and I want to accomplish why when like I think normally you would let's say accomplish you would aim to accomplish let's say three things right so there's something else going on like I said and, and especially as new mothers right like you said we try to want to do everything ourselves, but why, where is that coming from? Right? Like, even like, if you look at just even in our mother's time and like just a little bit past it, like there was still like a sense of family and community around you where people were there and they were helping you out and you would be able to rely on them for just things like you're not the only one who's cooking and cleaning and taking care of your little kid. And you know, like every, everything, I think it's, I don't know where that comes from. It's like as if we're trying to prove something, but what are we trying to prove, right? Like, again, like just contentment, again, it comes back to contentment of who you are and just knowing that this is enough. You don't need to prove anything to anybody. And I think as new mothers, it's important to take that. Like, and also just like Allah gave you that blessing and he will give you the tools as well you know, and just know that. And so you do what you can and you ask for help. And those are the people in your life are also a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? They're there to help you out as well. So use those tools. Those are part of the tools, right? So 
I think it's very important that uh, that we do rely on our close people that are close to us, and you know, they're they will they have best interest in their heart for us, you know. So rely on those people, use those people for sure. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I think that's very true. And whenever I have a guest on, I don't like I know what we're gonna talk about, like today's postpartum. And then just naturally, organically, like a theme emerges. And I find what's coming out is that Allah is in charge. He's yeah. in control. Exactly. And even when you're saying um, that we try to do everything, I find when I get in that mode, I start thinking that if I don't do it, it won't get done. You know, <laughs> yeah. if I don't fix this, if I don't fix this tantrum, there's no one else and nothing will happen. So I have to step in. I have to do this. And that is... Um, that's another way of thinking that Allah's not there or Allah's yes. not in charge, right? Because you take it upon yourself that if I don't do it, who will do it? <laughs> if I don't do the dishes, who's gonna pick up? Yes. I, you know, no, I agree with you. if I yeah. don't make her brush her teeth, who's gonna brush her teeth? You know? <laughs> so we start to think that if we don't do it, who will? And then we have to say, well, if it doesn't get done, it wasn't meant to get done. Exactly. Right? That's hundred percent. And I and I think that's very important. I remember because of you this point that you brought up. I remember in, initially when I was going through postpartum depression, I was doing everything. And when I started going to the psychologist and that was one of the things that we uh, realize, I realized is that you don't have to do everything. Don't do everything because that makes it even worse because you're trying to do everything and then you're overwhelmed by it. Right. Like, first of all, you're not meant to do everything. You're only one person. So you can only do certain things. So choose, like make priority. Okay. Today, this is my priority and I'm going to just accomplish this. That's it. You know, and tomorrow I'm going to accomplish this. So if things don't happen or they are, you know, the dishes are in the sink, so be it. They, nothing is going to happen. N nobody's going to die. <laughs> right. So just put things in perspective. Right. And I, I think sometimes we lose that perspective. We think if like I like I think that's what I think one of the questions that I start asking myself is that, okay, what is the worst that's going to happen, right? But, and you think about that answer, like, not just like, oh, but I'm just saying it, but no, sit down and think about it. What's the worst that's going to happen? And you'll realize that whatever the worst is, is not worth it, you know? It's not worth your mental health, right? So, so I think that's a good realization and yeah. something that to remind ourselves, yeah. Yeah, I like that. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, uh, yeah that really helps especially as mothers like what's the worst that can happen if they don't do their homework or <laughs> what's the worst you know if I sleep with a dirty house there's all these little things that yeah and and for me it goes back to like oh if this doesn't happen then I must be a bad mom and it goes back to that guilt and shame yeah. I, I find for me it's like a regular thing to work through yeah I think in general moms have a regular guilt that they have yeah. why we have the hardest but, job <laughs> but I think I think just you know again it comes back to uh, knowing that you're doing your best and and the rest is in Allah's hand right um, you're doing your best uh, and just and I think that also again comes back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and relying on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like no matter what you do at the end of the day how your kid is going to turn out really is from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know? So, so you do your best and you make dua and then you just, and you let it be. 
and 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 I know as moms we do have that tendency of feeling guilty about everything but I think we consciously have to get out of that guilt and tell ourselves I did my best and that is all I can do. with like teaching my daughter about Islam mm-hmm. oh my god it's such an anxiety for me I'm like she mm-hmm. should you know she has a Quran teacher now she needs to learn about Akida and she needs to learn about hijab and salah <laughs> and I'm like how am I gonna accomplish all that and then I look at what how I was taught and what company I had I'm like okay I'm not that bad yeah and you make dua honestly you make yeah. dua because yeah. seriously like like that's exactly what I'm saying no matter what you tell your kids or teach your kids at the end of the day inshallah inshallah when they are in the right path when they're older and they're it's from the mercy of Allah it's not what you really did right mm-hmm. like because and we know, like, you have prophets who uh, their sons, you know, didn't accept them or their uncles didn't accept Islam or their own family didn't accept Islam. So it comes down to, especially when it comes to uh, Islam, like, definitely it's from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you always make dua that Allah keep our kids on the straight path and guide them and mm-hmm. make things that are pleasing to him, pleasing to them, you know, and make things that are displeasing to him displeasing to them you know and and not tempt them in the direction that towards the things that are displeasing to him so you just make dua for that and i remember my dad used to make this dua you know um and and i continue i love your dad mashallah he's a great (laughs) yeah alhamdulillah so yeah and that's the thing like a lot of the things that my tools i picked up from him and this dua specifically uh, he used to make for us and uh, and i make that dua for for our kids because sometimes yeah, you don't even want that temptation in your heart, right? Like if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not like something, I don't want that temptation in my heart. It would just be easier, right? I mean, obviously, if you do have temptation, then there's a different reward for it, right? For you, for not doing it. So for us, like, obviously, we make dua for the best, right? And then and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inshallah, will grant it. And that's, that's what I do. Like sometimes because as mothers, we worry, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, how our kids are going to turn out? Are they going to turn out good? <laughs> you know, good Muslims, good, good human beings. But when when it comes to that, like when I feel like I'm going in a spiral, I'm thinking of those things. I just go back and just make dua, and I'm like, I know, I know, I'm not in control. Like I'm doing my best, but I'm not in control. No matter what knowledge I give them and impart on them, and no matter what I tell them, at the end of the day, Allah will be the one who will guide them from His mercy. You know, so that's it. Yeah. Yeah, those are very wise words. They're very yeah. true. Well, thank you for sharing all that. Jazakallah. Of course. But nice yeah, to an old friend. It's really I know. Nice. It's I know. so great. I know. It's yeah. been so long, subhanAllah. Yeah. And uh, are you in Toronto or you're here? Uh, no, I'm in the Somewhere States else. now. Oh, I'm okay, in the okay, States. Mashallah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. So uh, maybe okay. when COVID covid is over i'll yeah. try to visit montreal and we can hang yeah out. maybe I mean, we can hang out in Canada. <laughs> yeah no okay. definitely right. say salam to your sisters i miss them so I much and I mom. hope your brothers I'm- are doing well too Alhamdulillah, they are yeah. and uh, and no seriously mashallah the work you're doing is so great it's i know sometimes you might feel that it's like something that may not be beneficial but i'm 100 percent sure that you know it is beneficial for the all the amount and sometimes you know i will make dua and sometimes you know subhanallah it's a really like i just i know we're wrapping up and i should let you go and i have actually have an arabic class at six so i know we need to wrap up but just like something little 
you know, sometimes your, uh, you know, the effort that you put in, you might not see the result that you want to see in like in front of you right away or even in your lifetime. You see it like way later, you know, like one of the things that I was listening to uh, to a lecture or something. So one of the things that they mentioned is that how uh, Maryam Salam's mom um, made the dua that she will, uh, you know, uh, give the the child in Allah's service, right? And then Allah Subhanahu wa Taala gave her Maryam Salam, and she was expecting a son, right? And then through Maryam Salam, he gave who Isa Salam. So two generations after, right? And like, like so, so sometimes you don't, you may not see your efforts that you're putting in and the result that you want to see, but it might show up later. So with time, I think, inshallah, I hope, inshallah, you'll see it in your lifetime and it will benefit, inshallah, even after, you know? So the work you're doing, I think is really important because honestly, when you're, I, I know you probably felt, I know you have, felt the same way when you were going through you didn't know who to turn to you didn't have any resources and same thing when I was going through postpartum depression I had to like research I have to find resources myself and I didn't know who to turn to so I think inshallah inshallah Allah will put barakah in your work and he will um inshallah make this a satakajaria for you and uh and so continue doing it i know it might get sometimes you you might feel discouraged (laughs) maybe it's not you might feel it's not reaching to that many people but even one person think about it this way even one person who listens to your talk or you listens to your podcast and it helps them and it helps them not only in their mental health but also to connect to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala imagine the reward right and and save and you save their life that's like like you know when Allah Panta says if you save one life it's like you save the whole humanity mm-hmm. so think about it in that way you so inshallah you so pump. keep doing that put that on repeat because I need that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, thank you so much for your time it was really nice talking yeah to you. it was really great I know and please khair. start painting again yes <laughs> Share your I will all right that's it for today i hope you enjoyed the episode i hope you benefited please share with a friend or your family and see you next time assalamualaikum <laughs>